90 seconds is 90 seconds. We bunker up there at the station. Well, we're delaying our response to getting to that incident by 90 seconds, or we immediately jump in the truck, get to the incident, see what we need to see. As soon as we get out, we bunker up. And our goal is to basically prove that our operational time period is essentially going to be the same. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service just like you from coast to coast. The Bernalillo County Fire Department in New Mexico is trying a new idea to cut down on job-related cancer cases. Over time, the department is adding apparatus with compartments to store turnout gear. Firefighters won't generally wear their turnouts in the rig on the way to or from a fire. It's called the Clean Cab Policy, and spokesman Lieutenant David Lujan says it was a group decision. With this committee that was developed amongst labor and management, we started to evaluate again, hey, what can we continue to do to keep our firefighters safe? The committee, you know, with the chiefs decided that we want to go ahead and move forward with this new clean cab concept design. And the objective behind that is uh, we want to try to eliminate bringing any of these carcinogens or these contaminants that have been on our gear for whatever period of time back into the cab where our firefighters are sitting there and potentially breathing that in and just being exposed to it. Here's how it works. If you do have a clean set of gear that hasn't been exposed and doesn't have any contaminants, well, okay, we're okay with you bunkering up there at the station and jump up in the truck and, and head out. But let's say you haven't had an opportunity to get that gear cleaned yet. Our goal is for you to get into the truck immediately, respond to that incident, and then when you get on the incident, if it requires you to wear your PPE, you're going to bunk out there. So what we try to say is our crews are used to, they got 90 seconds to get their gear on and either get on the truck or go to work. What we're telling people is 90 seconds is 90 seconds. So it's either 90 seconds in the bay at the station or it's 90 seconds out at the incident. And that really doesn't change our time period from when we start attacking that fire. Our operational time putting water on the fire is essentially still going to be the same. Luhan said the new plan is definitely a work in progress. Our goal is to do a side-by-side comparison showing that 90 seconds is 90 seconds. We bunker up there at the station. Well, we're delaying our response to getting to that incident by 90 seconds. Or we immediately jump in the truck, get to the incident, see what we need to see. As soon as we get out, we bunker up. And our goal is to basically prove that our operational time period is essentially going to be the same. There's been some skepticism from firefighters on social media. Joining me now to explain his concerns is Keith Collins. Keith has more than 14 years in the fire service, including military service. 
and he's currently working as a firefighter in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And Keith Collins joins me again now on Code 3. Welcome back, Keith. Thanks for having me, Scott. So you were one of the people who was a dissenting voice on social media about this clean cap concept. What's your major disagreement with it? Before we get into that, I'd actually like to, to commend Bernalino County Fire for for trying to be proactive and trying to provide health and safety measures to protect their people. I think too many times in our industry, those kind of measures kind of happen as a result as a, of a of a reactive measure instead of being proactive. So I, I do want to commend them for trying to to provide health and safety measures for their department. There's no doubt that they're trying to be proactive, but I gather from people's comments that they feel it's a little misguided. Right. Well, what I believe that they're trying to say, and I don't want to, I don't want to speak for them, but what I believe that they're trying to say based on the news stories is that we get the same amount of time to get dressed at the station as that they're going to have at the scene of the incident. And that's, that's their train of thought going into this. I believe that their train of thought is a bit flawed. When those firefighters arrive to the fire emergency, what happens when they get there and there's, there's somebody screaming, there's somebody hanging out a window with, with smoke and flames. You know, the team just got on scene and now they're witnessing somebody facing death while they're trying to get dressed and gather equipment. I think in that type of situation, it's very likely that shortcuts are going to be taken. And I think if they don't think that that's going to happen, I think they're fooling themselves. I think it's a PR nightmare waiting to happen. Well, Lieutenant Lohan said they've thought about that and they'll see what happens. And yes, you know, we, we do potentially get into those situations, you know, psychologically where our crews have, they've been doing it this way for so long. And is it going to be perfect out the get-go? Absolutely not. You know, we understand that. But what we're really trying to push here is that, you know, we're, we're, we're there to help people in their emergencies. And that's what we signed up for. And that's what we're going to continue to do. And as a professional of the fire department, you know, that those are our objectives. But we also still have to look out for the, you know, the long-term objectives of each firefighter. And again, the only piece of equipment in a fire department that is designed to last or should be designed to last over 25 years is the personnel involved. There was a Twitter user who said essentially the same thing. He said, look for more injuries because there is no firefighter who's going to stand there and get totally dressed while someone's life is in danger. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's absolutely possible. How does this look to people when they arrive and they can't immediately go to work? You know, I, I think that their PIO is actually doing a, a good job of trying to get ahead of that. I mean, I saw the news story and, you know, they're trying to explain to their to their public that we are going to be getting prepared at the scene. So they're they're giving them a heads up that that they're changing their their methodology, essentially. From that standpoint, I think that they're doing okay, but I don't think that in a panicked state that people are going to react very well. I'll be back with more right after this. Federal Resources is a mission-critical solutions provider with only one goal, to empower and prepare the first responder for any threat, at home or abroad, that they are called on to respond to. Your mission is to protect and defend. Our mission is to make sure you're equipped with the knowledge and training on response techniques to current threats. We'll make sure you know the latest innovations in technology to ensure mission success every time. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com.
in your post, you actually had some suggestions, though they were quick and easy, as to what you would do with the turnout gear to keep it from being a hazard in the first place. Can you describe some of that? Yeah, well, so with all the research that's kind of come from the hazards of of the gases and smoke that are products of combustion, what I think that we need to do and what, what the industry is is starting to gear towards is treating structural fire similar to a hazmat call where we, we need to do decontamination in a post-fire incident. So firefighters can do either wet decon or uh, for my friends and family in the bitter cold right now back in the Midwest, they can do dry decon. So for wet decon, what we've done is we, we've set up a, a reducer with a one-inch one wildland hose and nozzle. Um, we've got a bucket with some dish soap, some brushes, and some decontamination wipes. Uh, basically, the firefighter comes back from the fire, they get rinsed off, their gear is brushed off with soap and water, and then their Nomex hood is, is disposed of, and they'll be issued a new one. The firefighter is given uh, a decontaminant wipe for their face, their hands, their neck, and their gear goes in a bag and is stored in a compartment away from the cab. When they get back to the station, gear is removed from the bags by a person wearing PPE, such as gloves, goggles, and a filtration mask, and then the gear goes into an extractor, gets dried, and then service tested and returned to duty. So that's the process for wet decon. Dry decon is, is pretty similar, but no water is used. Contaminants can be cleaned off with a dry brush as best as possible or with absorbent materials. Other methods include scraping, vacuuming, or pressurized air. And then after that, the process is pretty similar to the wet decon process. Do you have backup sets of gear or how does that work? Yes. Well, you're supposed to, you're supposed to have, I believe, at least one set of backup gear. So if you're on a, on a department that is running multiple calls, what you can do is you can clean up and get your backup set, have that backup set ready for, for the next call, and then just change out basically as you go throughout the day. I mean, each department kind of has to adjust and, and make their, their process work the best that they can to provide safety and health for their, for their people. Obviously, departments with larger call volumes may have to try and adjust the response of units in order to s- support health and safety for the, for the teams that have just come back off of an incident. There's various ways that they can try and make do. Now, if you had a crystal ball, what would you predict is going to be the future of this policy? Do you think they'll stick with it, or do you think it'll become impractical in the real world? That's a really good question. I don't know. I They may stick with it based on based on the, the research that they've done and, and what works best for them. I'd like to thank both Lieutenant David Lujan and Keith Collins for talking with me about this new idea. And we put some more information about the clean cab policy on our website at co3podcast.com slash turnouts. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. True or false? The diastolic blood pressure indicates the pressure when the left ventricle contracts. I'll have the answer right after this. 
now's your chance to get your hands on Code 3 t-shirts, sweatshirts, and more. Show your support for the podcast that supports firefighters from coast to coast. Just go to Code3Podcast.com and click on the Code 3 store link. Or go to Code3Podcast.com slash shop and tell the world that you're a Code 3 fan. Here's your trivia answer. The answer is false. The diastolic blood pressure is the pressure when the left ventricle dilates and refills with blood. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. If you've got comments about the clean cap policy you'd like us to hear, just email scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. Hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.